You are a great God. You're far above and far beyond and separated from us. And yet, Father, you have reconciled us to you through your Son. And now we are in relationship, those of us who are in Christ. Father, I pray that you would occupy our lowly hearts. Even as we open your word today, Father, I pray that it would be a time where we would see Christ and we would know him and follow him. Father, that we would consider his words and His love and His care for us. And we respond accordingly. Accordingly for Your glory and for Christ's sake, in whose name we pray. Amen. I continue to notice something in my pastorate that I probably for a, a, a number of time, I'm, this isn't the first time I've talked about this, but um, something that I continue to see. The most joyful people I know are the most thankful people I know. So even some of you, when you're, when you're joyful, you are thankful. And when you're not, you're not. But then as a general comment, the most joyful people I know are the most thankful people I know. Think about the people you know that are joyful. And think if they seem to be people that are thankful. Or if they seem to people that are seem to be people that are ungrateful, discontent. I uh, I normally set on a Saturday night. I go to bed and I set my alarm for somewhere between four fifty six and five oh one. Never at five o'clock, as you would all know me. Depending on how much I have to do in the pre sermon, that five minutes makes all the difference apparently in my weird mind. Last night I went to bed and I failed to set an alarm. And at five o'clock. Interestingly, I woke up. And I was so thankful. I mean, I was overjoyed. I mean, I mean it. I woke up as thankful as I've woken up in a long time. Because God was very kind to me. I, you know, I, whatever. I could have slept till 6.30, 7, 2. He woke me up at 5 o'clock, the time that I needed to get up to be here. And, and it's, not, it's, not, it's not something weird. It just made me really thankful. I was really thankful. As Christians, we are to be thankful in all circumstances. Joyful in all circumstances. And I, I just want us to put those two things together in our minds once again. Put them together tightly in your mind this morning. In Romans 1, it talks about it talks about those that God turns over. And he says, for although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him. So one of the characteristics of, a, of an unbeliever that's being turned over to their sin is they don't give thanks to God. Oh, that we not be like them. That we not be like them. They became futile in their thinking and their foolish hearts were darkened. Look, we're not Romans one twenty one if we're in Christ. However, when we are not thankful, our minds become dark. 
We don't think right. Romans or Philippians 4. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything. Now, that presupposes we will be anxious. So he says, don't be. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of Christ, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. We often want to go when we're anxious with our prayers and supplications, but do we go with thanksgiving? Or do we go with discontent? Ephesians 5.18, And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery. But be filled with the Spirit. So, remember Ephesians, he's saying, here's, here's how you practice your Christianity. You address one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart. Giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. As we interact with one another, as we, as we live the Christian life together, one of the things we are to be doing is to be giving thanks always. When I'm around you, am I, am I experiencing people that are giving thanks? When you're around me, are you experiencing a man giving thanks? Or are you around a man who grumbles and complains? Who are you? Oh, I'm joyful in my heart. I'm thankful to God for everything, and I, I, I might rarely hear it from you. I might rarely hear your thanksgiving to God for something in your life, good or bad. Usually good, rarely bad. Charles Spurgeon, we are in the wrong state of mind if we are not in a thankful state of mind. We're in a wrongful state of mind if we are not in a thankful state of mind. Right now, in this moment, a thankful state of mind. I mean, I don't want to, look, whatever. It's just we're here, right? Be thankful to be here. Uh, Don't be complaining or grumbling. Be thankful the Word of God is going to be opened. Be thankful that we sing hymns. Be thankful that we, we praise God together. Joy, joyful. The most joyful people that I know are the most thankful people I know. Be that, brothers and sisters. Let's be that. And in my home, anytime, anybody, anytime, if I'm being joyless, ask me if I'm being thankful. Help me. Remind me. Remind me of the God who saves me, saved me, and will save me. The God who provides everything. Me remind me of all the great things that God has done for me. Remind me of all the all the things I have to be thankful for, even in my trials. Make a practice of being thankful. It is not natural. It is supernatural, and God will empower us to do that. It is not natural to be thankful, to be joyful. It is supernatural. Being thankful will bring joy. 
I believe Scripture teaches that, and I know I've watched it. Amen. Okay, let's go to, turn to Luke chapter 9. If you're going to open your Bibles, we'll be in verses 23 through 26. I think today's passage is, it's one of those passages, it's one of those scriptures that, you know, I get excited to preach. Brother Matthew said, I'm, you know, text me yesterday, I'm looking forward to your message tomorrow. It's, it's, it is, it is some of the most challenging scripture that we will read in the Gospels. It is challenging because it is so clear, so clear, and so difficult for people to accept and proclaim. This, this is where we are told, in order to follow Christ, you must deny yourself, lose your life, forsake the world, and be unashamed of Jesus. Think of those words. Deny yourself, lose your life, forsake the world, and be unashamed of Jesus. And there's so many caveats and so many excuses we want to make. And Jesus, it's really just, there's no caveats. There's no explanation. There's no softening the blow. It is what it is. He says what he says. And we do well to listen. And some would do well to repent and believe on Christ today. And all of us would do do well to listen. Living out of the fear of God as we work on our own salvation with fear and trembling. So please stand and I'll read Luke 9, 23 through 26. Luke 9, 23 through 26. And he said to all, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. Forever would save his life will lose it. Whatever loses his life for my sake will save it. For what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his life, or, or loses or forfeits himself. For whoever is ashamed of me and of my words, of him will the Son of Man be ashamed when he comes in his glory and the glory of the Father and of the holy angels. You may be seated. I am hopeful that today's sermon will be life-altering for everyone in here. I am convinced, I think Scripture would teach that not everyone will be changed by today's sermon. But I would encourage each and every one of you to pray that God would be kind to you, that you would be different because of what you hear today. It's, this passage, is, it's a core teaching of Jesus. It is, it is the starting point of living and understanding the Christian life. As I said before, Jesus has no qualifiers, no exceptions in this passage. It really is Christianity 101. And he said to all, so this is to everyone in here. Uh, this is this is sometime after the time up in Caesarea Philippi when he's just uh, told the twelve not to tell anyone who he is. Uh, he told them of Passion Week when he talks about 
what's going to happen to him, his own death, his own path. And then it's some time later, and we'll look in, we'll see in Mark's gospel, there's a number of other folks around, and he said to all. So anyone will, anyone who is in here today, anyone who will listen online, to all, Jesus says this. If anyone would come after me. If anyone would come after me, Jesus says. If anyone would be a Christian. Be a follower of Christ. Let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. For what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses or forfeits himself? For whoever is ashamed of me and my words of him will the Son of Man be ashamed when he comes in his glory and the glory of the Father and of the holy angels. Okay, we see in Matthew 10, very similar language. And whoever does not take his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Whoever finds his life will lose it. Whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. Remember in Matthew 10, that's just on the tales of come to, didn't come to bring peace but a sword. Separate a mother from her daughter and a father from his son and a mother-in-law from her. That's right after that, he says this. In Matthew 16, 24, Then Jesus told his disciples, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? Or what shall a man give in return for his soul? Mark 8, 34, And calling the crowd to him with his disciples, he said to him, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospels will save it. For what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and forfeit his soul? For what can a man give in return for his soul? For whoever is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation of him will the Son of Man be ashamed when he comes in the glory of his Father with the holy angels. The Matthew 16 and Mark 8 and this Luke, that's the same thing, but it's notice how similar the words are, how, how much they're, they sound the same. How we're being repeated. This God is repeating to us these same words. This is, this is Christ telling all, including his twelve, this is what it means to, to follow me. Later in Luke's gospel, Luke 14, 27, whoever does not bear his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. The idea of denying oneself, losing one's life, forsaking the world, being unashamed of Jesus and his words is repeated in the Gospels over and over again. Paul, the last apostle, as he was carried along by the Holy Spirit, uh, writing the, the words that Jesus had given him. In Romans 12, 1, he says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice holy and acceptable to God. The idea of dying to oneself and living a holy life is, is, is the basis of the true Christian life. The beginning point. It is what anyone who wants to follow Jesus must do. So, today's passage more closely. And he said to all, if anyone would come after, come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. To be a Christian, you must deny yourself and take up your cross daily. Deny yourself and take up your cross daily. We live in, a, in an age where we are taught to love ourselves and to take care of ourselves 
and to look out for number one. We are, we are told to accept ourselves for who we are. We are told by the world to accept them for who they are. We are, we are, we swim in waters that say we are to affirm our children and grow their self-esteem. This is not the Christian way. The Christian way is, if anyone come after me, let him deny or naomai. The word means to disregard, to pay no attention to, to say no to, to refuse to give thought to or express concern for. If anyone follow me, they are going to disregard themselves. They're going to pay no attention to themselves. They're not going to follow the heart. They're not going to go with their gut. They're going to ignore themselves. Deny themselves. In a sense, hate themselves. They're going to say no to themselves. This is, this is the first thing we see one must do to be a Christian is to deny, deny themselves. Again, to disregard yourself. Pay no attention to yourself. Say no to yourself. Refuse to give thought or express concern for yourself. Deny yourself. This is the first thing you do. And then you follow me, says Jesus. Akolotheo, to follow, come behind, go behind. When Jesus calls men and women to follow him, he takes them away from their earthly pursuits. Peter and Andrew, they were, they were fishermen. They fished for a living. And when Jesus calls them, he says what? This word, akolotheo, he said to them, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. No longer will you be fishers of fish. I will make you fishers of men. In Luke 9, later this, this chapter, as they were going along the road, someone said to him, I will, Akolotheo, follow you wherever you go. So someone says to Jesus, I will follow you. And Jesus said to him, foxes have holes. And birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. You're going to follow me? Deny yourself. Deny your earthly focus. You're not going to concern yourselves any longer with, you're not going to concern yourself, he says to this man, with having a bed to put your head on. To another he said, follow me. Jesus said to him, Akolotheo. And the man, he said, he replied, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. And Jesus said to him, leave the dead to bury their own dead, but as for you, go and proclaim the kingdom of God. This man wanted to go back and take care of his inheritance. He said, don't worry about your inheritance. Leave that behind. If you're going to follow me, don't focus on your inheritance. You come and proclaim the kingdom of God. Yet another said, I will follow you, Lord, but let me first say farewell to those at my home. Jesus said to him, no one puts his hand to the plow and looks back, is fit for the kingdom, 
Another one says, I, I will, Akulthel, I will follow you. And Jesus, and he said, but, but first, but let me, let me go back and say goodbye to all my peeps. Let me go say goodbye to all these people I love. Let me go back and make sure they're okay and make sure our relationship. He says, no, you put your hand to the plow. You don't look back. In order to follow me, you must leave behind the life you once lived. Now, every Christian will not leave their job. Every Christian will not leave their family. Every Christian will not forsake their inheritance. But every Christian will be willing to do any of those things. Their focus will no longer be those things. Their focus will be following Christ. All must be willing to go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Anyone would come after me, let him deny himself. Pay no attention to himself. Disregard oneself. Say no to yourself. Refuse to think about yourself or express concern for yourself. And take up his cross daily and follow me. Take up his cross. Take up a cross. What was the cross to his audience? It was, we all know, it was a symbol of death. It's what he was, he had just told them, the twelve, before he comes to this point, but about Passion Week, that he was going to die at the hands of men. And how that was going to happen was on a cross. We have this idea of taking up our cross being our spouse or our wayward children. That's not what he means by taking up our cross. He means die to yourself. Deny yourself. Disregard yourself. Pay no attention to yourself. The cross meant one thing to Jesus' audience, and that meant death. Death in a humiliating and painful fashion. A.W. Tozer says, to be crucified with Christ means three things. One, a man who is crucified is facing only one way. Two, a man who is crucified is not going back. He has said goodbye and is not going back. Three, he has no further plans of his own. Think about all the plans we have. Quite frankly, and many of them have absolutely nothing to do with Christ. You might try to wrap them in a bow and make them seem like that. But, but if we want to follow him, we will deny ourselves and die to ourselves how often? Daily. Daily. Take up your cross and follow me. Just like I'm going to do, I'm going to, I'm going to take up my cross and I'm going to do the will of the Father. I want you to follow me. Totally selfless. Jesus didn't say, Jesus didn't say follow a set of rules. He didn't say follow a bunch of religious rituals. He said follow me. He is far more. Jesus is far more than a set of religious rituals. He is far more than a bunch of rules. He's a far greater motivator than those things, or motivation. 
being like him in dying to ourselves daily. Paul says, I protest, brothers, by my pride in you, which I have in Christ Jesus our Lord, I die every day. Hebrews three twelve through thirteen. Take care, brothers, lest there be any of you evil heart, evil unbelieving heart, leading you to fall away from the living God. But exhort one another every day. Christianity is an everyday thing. For fourteen years plus, you have, if you've been around here, you've heard me say we cannot be on autopilot. Christianity is not autopilot. And too many days we wake up and we go on autopilot. Even in our religious rituals we go on autopilot. Versus daily, daily paying no attention to ourselves, ignoring ourselves, denying ourselves, dying to ourselves, and following Christ. Every day. When Jesus says, follow me, it's, in the, it's a present imperative. It's a continual ongoing process. He's telling us right here that daily you'll need to do this. It's not a once and done. I want many of you to hear me. Get back to, get back to every day. Dying to yourself, denying yourself all throughout the day, and following Jesus. I have no, I've told many of you this before. It's because I'm not a woman, I'm sure. I have no idea how you women are going to be mothers if you don't die to yourselves and follow. I have no idea how you're going to do that. To me, it's impossible. to die If you don't die to yourself every day, throughout the day, certainly to start your day, and follow Jesus... Pay no attention to yourself. Disregard yourself. I, I don't know how you do it. But by the grace of God, with Christ as your example. Deny yourself. I want what I want. There have been a number of times recently and throughout the pastorate but but recently it's coming back so clearly i sit with people who just want what they want they want what they want they're not denying themselves they're not not listening to themselves that's all they're doing is listening to themselves all they want to do is hear themselves that's it and it leads to destruction Every time. Get off that path, brothers and sisters. It will lead to destruction and apostasy. Quit wanting what you want. Die to yourself. Deny yourself. Daily, he says. Hey, if you want to follow me. Anyone who wants to follow me must do these things. And many of you can, you can, you can absolutely resonate with this. When you get on autopilot, you wake up one day and things are a mess. And you crawl back to Christ and you seek his kindness and his mercy and his forgiveness. You humble yourselves and things get better. 
And then autopilot creeps back in. I've watched it happen in all of our lives for 14 years. Every day, exhort one another. Every day, die. And he said to all, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it. But over who loses his life for my sake will save it. As a follower of Jesus, you must lose your life for Christ's sake. Again, there are no qualifiers. There's no softening of the blow. Lose your life. By the way, we'll get back to this a little bit more, but that word for life there is suke. It's a soul. This, this would be better translated soul, and even in the perfect translation, they don't have it soul. Because it does in Matthew, you'll see soul is what's being talked about here. It's not the physical life. It's a physical life that your soul is part of, but what you're going to lose is your eternal life. Lose your life. You cling to this life, and it will mean losing your soul. You try to save yourself, and it will mean losing your soul. The word here for save is sozo. Save, deliver, into divine salvation, rescue from danger. We've talked before. Sozo most of the time is talking about salvation. That word sozo is what we think of as salvation. Eternal salvation. It also means to rescue from danger. I think there's a, a dual thing happening in this particular verse, this particular sentence, but he, he, he's saying, try and save yourself with your own goodness and your own accomplishments or try to avoid uh, uh, discomfort and, and, and difficulty. Cling to this earthly life. Count on the things you may amass or the ways you may live. Focus on that and you will lose your life. Losing, lose, apolomai, to suffer the destruction of one's life. If you try and save yourself with your righteousness, you will perish. If you try and avoid discomfort, difficulties, being despised, you will suffer destruction of your soul. Galatians 2, 19, for through the law, I died to the law. So I might live to God. Paul says, I died to the law. I don't cling to the law or else I will perish. If I cling to the law as my way of salvation, I will perish. I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not nullify the grace of God, for if the righteousness were through the law, then Christ died for no purpose. If you try to save yourself by the obedience of the law, you will perish. The life we live is by faith, no longer trying to earn salvation, nor clinging to the things of this earthly life. Look what he says in Philippians 3. Indeed, I count everything a loss. 
because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ, my Lord. For I, his sake I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as dung. All earthly things. Paul was a Pharisee of Pharisees. He had wealth. He had, he had influence. He, had, he really kind of had it all. I count all that dung for knowing Christ, in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, which comes through faith in Christ. The righteousness from God that depends on faith. Paul lost everything temporally. He gave up his life to follow Jesus. He says, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. To live is Christ. Christians will die to themselves, ignore their wants, hate themselves, and live following Jesus daily. This is what we do. And if, if we don't do it daily, if we go on autopilot, we will find ourselves in bad directions. We would actually do well to read this passage every day. Not that we will or I will, but we would do well to. He, he goes on now to explain more deeply how temporal gain is, is worthless. Because it will cost one's one one soul. He says, For what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses or forfeits his soul? It's a it's a it's a rhetorical question. He's 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 being hyperbolic. He's saying there's this equation gaining the world plus losing oneself equals no profit. Gaining the world plus losing oneself equals no profit. Matthew sixteen twenty six. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? Or what shall a man give in return for his soul? Suke, his eternal soul. For what does it profit a man if he gains? Cardino, to earn, to gain, to make a profit. What does a man gain? What does he earn if he gains cosmos, the whole circle of earthly goods, riches, advantages, and pleasures? All the status, all the money, all the sex, all the travel, all the houses, all the better world through legislation, all the things that you could possibly pile up on this earth. Pretend you had them all. You have it all. What does it gain you? If you lose your soul. What does all that gain on the worldly stuff? Gain? What does that? What does what does all that focus on worldly gain get you? What does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses a pulamai to suffer destruction of one's life? Loses or forfeits to suffer the loss of something which one had previously possessed with the implication that loss involves considerable hardship or suffering. What does it profit a man if he gains a whole world and loses or forfeits himself? What good is all this worldly stuff, all your possessions, all your power, all your health? What good is it? What good is it? All this higher education. What good is it when you stand before God? Ask yourself. What good is what I'm after? If I'm after the things of this world, what good is it when I stand before God? 
the most I mean, who has everything closest to it around? I don't know. Elon Musk? Steve Jobs before he died? LeBron James? Tom Cruise? Barack Obama? Vladimir Putin? Who is it that has everything? Or as much as you can get? And what good is it going to do them? What are you chasing after? And what good is it going to do you? Solomon, who had more than all of the people I just mentioned or anybody you could come up with. Solomon had more concubines, more wives, more worldly wisdom, more possessions. Ecclesiastes, he wrote 2, 16 and 17. For of the wise, as of the fool, there is no enduring remembrance, seeing that in the days to come, all will have been long forgotten. No one is going to be remembered. No one is going to be remembered. I assure you, Tamara, we're not going to be remembered 100 years from now. I mean, we might have our great-grandmother's name. and we have, I have no idea what Archie Reed was all about. That's my grandfather. Not even great. I can't even tell you the name of my great-grandfather. I honestly can't stand you to tell you his name. Now, some of you got it down to six or seven generations, and I would ask you why, quite frankly. But you won't be remembered. He says this, how the wise dies just like the fool. You get as much earthly knowledge as you want. You get PhDs and doctorates and all the initials behind your MDivs and PDivs and all that. Get it all stacked up behind your name and what you'll die just like a fool. No one will remember you. Those, those initials will mean nothing. So I hated life. Because what is done under the sun was grievous to me. For all is vanity and a striving after the wind. Obtaining all the worldly wisdom. Pretend you knew everything about the world. What gets vanity? What good is it going to do you when you stand before God? Vanity. Ecclesiastes 2, 9. So I became great. Solomon did become great. He had he had houses and concubines and wives and wealth and musicians that would play and animals that he had in his courtyard. He had it all. Anything his heart desired, he says. So I became great and surpassed all before me in Jerusalem. Also my wisdom remained with me and whatever my eyes desired, I did not keep from them. I, I saw it. I wanted it. I got it. I kept my heart from no pleasure, for my heart found pleasure in all my toil, and this was my reward for all my toil. Then I considered all that my hands had done. I worked hard. I had it all. I got it all. Anything I wanted, I could obtain. Then I considered all that my hands had done, and the toil had expended in doing it. And behold, all was vanity and striving after the wind, and there was nothing to be gained under the sun. It's worthless. Elon Musk has no idea how worthless his wealth and power and prestige are. He's going to find out if he doesn't repent and put his trust in Christ. Barack Obama's going to find out how worthless it all is. 
LeBron James. It's all worthless. Ecclesiastes 2, 18. I hated all my toil in which I toil under the sun, seeing that I must leave it to a man who will come after me. And who knows whether he will be wise or a fool. Yes, he will be master of all which I toiled and used my wisdom under the sun. This is all so vanity. (laughs) I have this huge inheritance I'm going to lead to my kids. It's worthless. It's vanity. Will they be wise or will they be fools? A quick sidebar, leaving money to your unsaved children is foolish for a Christian. So I turned about and gave my heart up to despair over all the toils of my labors under the sun. Because sometimes a person who has toiled with wisdom and knowledge and skill must leave everything to be enjoyed by someone who did not toil for it. <laughs> this also is vanity and a great evil. It's vanity and a great evil to leave money to your kids who, will do, who did nothing to earn it. What is a man from all the toil and striving of hearth with which he toils beneath the sun? For all his days are full of sorrow, and his work is a vexation. Even in the night, his heart does not rest. This is also vanity. Think about it. Your sleepless nights are focused on things of this world. Your sleepless nights are focused on things of this world. Even if your sleepless nights are the salvation of your children, that's of this world. Look, telling our kids how much they need Jesus and they turn around and watch us chase after the things of the world, it must be quite confusing to them. (laughs) If you need Jesus, kid, now let me go out and make this big pile of cash that I'll leave to you that you can trust in and count on. The inheritance that we ought to want to leave is faith. It's not our job. We don't get to get. But as far as we're concerned, as far as I'm concerned, my daughter, my son that are still in my home and my others, they're going to inherit faith. Is what we model Chasing after the things of this world. If anyone would follow me. Ecclesiastes 5.13 There is a grievous evil that I have seen under the sun. Riches were kept by their owner to his hurt. And those riches were lost in a bad venture. And he's the father of a son but has nothing in his hand. So now a guy who can't leave anything to his kids. That's a great evil. He lost all he had made on a bad venture. Now listen, as he came from his mother's womb, he shall go again, naked as he came, and shall take nothing from his toil that he may carry away in his hand. We looked at it just this morning in the tithes and offering time. Paul was telling Timothy, similar truth, you cannot take anything that you amass on this earth with you. It's vanity. It's vanity. Your best, 
bunt cake recipe will do you no good in heaven. Some of us need to consider this. We need to consider, do we really believe, understand, and live like we will take nothing with us when we leave? Do we live like, really, children, what we want you to inherit from us is the faith? Even more than a, than a, than a trade. Even more than being able to work hard. Even more than having your house paid for and providing for your children. Even more than that, we want you to inherit the faith. Solomon's conclusion. Ecclesiastes 12, 13 to 14. The end of the matter. All has been heard. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. Solomon, who had it all the world had to give, as much as anybody's ever had, he says, this is the end of the matter. Fear God and keep his commandments. This is the whole duty of man. Everything else is vanity. For God will bring every deed into judgment with every secret thing, whether good or evil. Nothing of this earth matters ultimately, physically, wealth, worldly wisdom, status, power. Fearing God and keeping his commandments, that is the focus that lasts or that matters, according to Solomon. Matthew six thirty three. but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. We're not unique in this time period, but we certainly do live in a time period where amassing wealth is a high priority. Living comfortable lives is a high priority. (laughs) Denying ourselves, not really all that popular. Following Jesus, not not really, not really all, even even in the church world. And we 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 we, you know we we touch it up and we we doll it up a little bit and we I don't want to give any qualifications. I'm, I'm standing here wanting to give qualifications and I'm going to refuse. He says what he says. I desperately want qualifications just like you do. I want to make these things that I chase after actually matter. First John 2, do not love the world. Do not love the world or the things in the world. So what if you get, gain everything the world has to offer and forfeit your soul? What did you profit? Do not love the world, the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh, the desires of the eyes, and the pride of life is not from the Father, but is from the world. And the world is passing away along with its desires, but whoever does the will of God abides forever. I want what I want, and I will have it to your destruction. I want my flesh satisfied. 
to your destruction. I want friendships that the Bible forbids to your destruction. I want substances that cause a lack of sober-mindedness to your destruction. I want material things. I want all that money can buy to your destruction. I want my reputation to stay intact to your destruction. There are no qualifications. I really want to give them. If I care more about my reputation than following Christ, it's to my destruction. Dying to ourselves of going after the whole world. Going after your bodily desires, passions of the flesh, covetousness, success in our field, honors, awards, higher education, political influence. What good is it if I become president of the United States and forfeit my soul? Well, you can do both. I personally don't see how when I'm following Jesus. Yeah, you could be Tom Cruise. I, I just don't see how when I'm personally fo- when I'm following Jesus. I don't personally see how I could do that. Say no to yourself. Ignore yourself. Deny yourself. Die to yourself and follow Christ daily. Don't try to profit, gain the whole world. It's of no value. It's vanity. It's worthless. It's meaningless. He's going to go even deeper. If anyone will come after me, Christianity 101, for whoever is ashamed of me and of my words, of him will the Son of Man be ashamed when he comes in his glory and the glory of the Father and of the holy angels. When Christ returns to judge, if you're ashamed of him, He will be ashamed of you. Do not be ashamed of Christ and his words. As Christians, we should be ashamed of ourselves. Not ashamed of Christ. Because if you're not ashamed of yourself, then you really don't need Christ. What did he die for? Your shame. My shame. My, the sin, the shamefulness with which I exist. I should be ashamed of myself. By the way, we would do well to tell our children, you should be ashamed of yourself more often. You should be ashamed of yourself. We should be more willing to tell our children, more willing to tell ourselves, and more willing to tell the brethren. And the guy on the street. And the guy at work, you should be ashamed of yourself that you might look to Christ. 
We are ashamed of ourselves, not of Christ and his words. And that's one of the problems. This is why people don't see their need for Christ. They're really just not ashamed of themselves. They're ashamed of Christ and of the gospel. To be ashamed of. This word we see. We're not to be ashamed of Christ and his words. Paul uses the word, Romans 1.16, for I'm not ashamed of the gospel. We, if anyone would come after me, if anyone would follow me, if anyone would be a Christian, we will not be ashamed of the gospel. When was the last time you shared the gospel? Honestly. Honestly, when was the last time you shared the gospel? Are you ashamed of it because it will cost you too much? Relationships? Monetarily? Positionally? Are you ashamed of the gospel with Aunt Edna? Because she just doesn't like it. Whoever is ashamed of me in my words, of him will the Son of Man be ashamed. We should be ashamed of ourselves for being ashamed of the gospel. Honestly, there's no qualifications here. When was the last time you shared the gospel? I'm guessing for many of you, it's recently. Praise the Lord. Be encouraged. I just can't get it out of my mouth. Why? Paul tells Timothy in 2 Timothy 1, Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord nor of me as his prisoner. Timothy, don't be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord or of me and what's happened to me. Don't be ashamed. But share in suffering for the gospel by the power of God who saved us and called us to a holy calling, not because of our works, but because of his own purpose and grace which he gave us in Christ Jesus before the ages began and which now has been manifested through the appearing of our Savior Christ Jesus who abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel (laughs) for which I was appointed a preacher, an apostle, a teacher, which is why I suffer, I do, but I am not ashamed. Paul says, I'm not ashamed. Christ saved me. By his grace, I'm not ashamed to be sitting in prison. But I'm not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed. And I am convinced that he is able to guard until that day what has been entrusted to me. I know whom I believe in. I know I've believed in Christ, and Christ will keep me to that day. And therefore, I'm not ashamed. He won't be ashamed of me, Paul says. Follow the pattern of the sound words you have heard from me in the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. We must not be ashamed to profess Christ. Christians believe the gospel. We are to share it. 
if, if anyone would come after me. We aren't ashamed of the gospel. We aren't ashamed of Christ and his words. We're not ashamed to follow his commands. It's embarrassing to be a Christian. People laugh at me. They mock me. Someday they may imprison me and kill me. It's kind of humiliating. (laughs) Praise the Lord. Here's why we're ashamed of the gospel, I would argue. 1 Corinthians 1.18, for the word of the cross is folly to those who are perishing. It's folly. They make fun of us. They forsake us. They revile us. And again, someday they might imprison us or even kill us. Good thing we don't live in those times, right? Well, I do praise God we live when we live. But I think it's really wrong-minded to say, well, I really hope that never comes. <laughs> Come, Lord Jesus. Come persecution. Come suffering for the sake of the gospel. If, if anyone would follow me. Second Corinthians 14, but thanks be to God who in Christ always leads us in triumphal possession. This, this is what it is to be a Christian. Always leads us in triumphal possession and through us spreads the fragrance of the knowledge of Christ everywhere. For we the aroma of Christ to God among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing to one a fragrance from death to death, the other a fragrance from life to life. Who is sufficient for these things? Only those who are not ashamed of Jesus and his words. By the grace of God, for the love of God, for the sake of Christ. To avoid speaking of Christ for what it might cost us is being ashamed. That's just what it is. To avoid it for what it might cost us. That is being ashamed. And it's, it's, it, it, there's, no, there's no qualifiers. I want to give them. <laughs> for my sake, every bit as much as for yours. But there are no qualifiers. Philippians three seventeen, Brothers, join me in imitating me and keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example you have in us. Man, Paul is just boldly throwing it out there. Imitate me as I imitate Christ. I'm not ashamed. Hey, Romans 7, I still have sin. Praise be to God for Jesus Christ. But I am unashamedly telling you I am a Christ follower. And I am in prison and beaten to prove it. But this is who I am. For many of whom I have told you, and there's other people not like this. Well, I've often told you and now tell you even with tears, walk as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their end is destruction. Their God is their belly. And they glory in their shame. With minds set on earthly things. Minds set on earthly things, glorying in their shame of chasing after the things of the world. That is being ashamed of Jesus. 
That is what that is. True Christians will not be ashamed to confess our faith and hope in Jesus. We are ashamed when we sin. We are ashamed when we don't obey Christ's commands. We are ashamed if we are ashamed of His bride, the church. Devaluing the life of the local assembly in the life of a believer is being ashamed of Jesus. Because it's just not very popular. (laughs) Having a home structured as the scriptures would have it structured, a patriarchal home, a refusal to do that is being ashamed of the gospel. But it's not popular, is it? Just this week, it came up again in my purview. I don't remember even how, but one of the families in here with their 11 kids is basically laughed at and mocked at because they have so many kids. How foolish are you to have so many kids? Trusting in the Lord by His grace, not ashamed. Let me tell you about the God I serve and the Christ who saved me. Yeah, I know, it's kind of weird. Hey, you do you, we'll do us. I want what I want. Well, then you're ashamed of Christ. You're not ashamed of your desires. And he said to all, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, ignore himself. Not listen to himself, say no to himself. Not concern himself with himself. And take up his cross, die to yourself, and follow him. Follow me, he says. For whoever would save his life will lose it, Cling to the things of this world. Chase after the things of this world. Hope in the things of this world. You're going to perish. But whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. For Christ's sake. Not not for rules, not for rituals, for Christ's sake. Losing our lives for Christ's sake. You see, having a bunch of kids because you think it's the right thing to do, some religion or ritual that you're checking some box, is not what we're talking about. You do it for Christ's sake. And if you're counting on that to make you righteous and not counting on Christ, then you will lose your life. For what does it profit? This is a real question. What does it profit a man if he gains the whole world? Everything you can think of. 
Major League Baseball contract, $200 million a year for 16 years. So you gain it. What's it worth if you lose your soul? Best friend, best friend relationship, never lose my bestie. Yeah, the besties outside of God and outside of Christ and renouncing the faith, but I want to be their bestie. Gain your earthly relationships. Gain your wealth. Gain your status. Go be president of the United States of America. For what? For what? What does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses or forfeits himself? For whoever is ashamed of me and my words, of him will the Son of Man be ashamed when he comes in his glory and the glory of the Father and of the holy angels. Closing thought. Denying oneself and following Jesus. Losing one's life for Christ's sake. Forsaking the things of this world and not being ashamed of Jesus and his words is what anyone must do to be a follower of Jesus, to be a Christian. Are you daily denying yourself, losing your life, forsaking the world, and shamelessly proclaiming and obeying Jesus? If not, will you follow him now? Will you follow him now? Christians, I hope we're challenged by this. And I hope God will change us. And I I hope that we are all clinging to Christ, knowing that none of these things we do perfectly. We have a Savior who did everything perfectly, and that's in whom we believe. And he told us this. He told us this. He told us lots of stuff, but he told us this. Are you daily? Brothers and sisters, let's get back to daily dying to ourselves throughout the day. Losing our lives. Forsaking the world. And shamelessly proclaiming and obeying Jesus. And if that's too much of a cost, as you hear that, then repent and put your faith and trust in Christ. Count the cost. If you have no interest in that or have had no interest in that, will you will you follow him today? Will you follow Jesus today? Father, we thank you for your word again, the clarity with which you speak. The grace you have given us to to hear the ears we have, the eyes we see, the spirit that lives in us. And our older brother, Christ, our example, who is not ashamed to call us brother. Oh, that we would not be ashamed of him. Pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Hymn 394, Jesus, I my cross have taken. 394.